As a community, First Baptist Belton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sundays at one of our worship services at 8.30 or 11, and for Bible study at 9.45. We hope today's message encourages and strengthens your faith in God. This morning I'm going to be dealing with a very, very sensitive subject. Every family in our church who has children who normally come to worship from fifth grade down were given the opportunity to come to the second service and during the service we will have um, some activities for them elsewhere in the building. Now I realize if you're a guest with a child you didn't know anything about that. Uh, so I'm just going to say to you, it's very, very sensitive subject this morning, and it's your decision as to whether you keep the child in the room or not, but I did not want to let this go by without reminding you of that. <clears throat> so let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, you are a great God. You're an awesome God. You are a loving God, a merciful God. A God filled with grace and glory. Thank you for your provision for us in Jesus. Thank you for the gift of eternal life, for the gift of salvation, for the gift of the forgiveness of our sins that came to us by the cost of the blood of our Savior Jesus. Father, be with us this morning. Speak to us from your word. Speak to our hearts as we continue to look at issues of the day that are huge and that concern us. And I pray that we will deal with these issues biblically and not based on feelings or on what society says what politicians may say, but based on what the Word of God says. So I pray now you'll bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. We'll read there in a moment. As you can tell, my annual battle with allergies has arrived. I don't know how to stop that. It happens every year between Labor Day and Thanksgiving. Um. I'm really having a good year if it's really close to Thanksgiving, but unfortunately, I didn't make it to the end of September. So bear with me. I'll do the best I can. If I have a little crackle in my voice, that's the reason. Now, if I were to be approached after this service or during the week by someone who is struggling with the issue we're going to talk about this morning... I don't think I could point them in any better direction than the scripture and the song that the choir sang. Gary, that was magnificent. The words were perfect, absolutely perfect in its description of the love of our Lord for us. So this series is what in the world is happening here. And the here is not our church or this building. The here is our culture. We started by the foundation of the series by talking about the fact that Jesus and the gospel are offensive. They are both offensive because the scripture says God created. He created for his glory and without any mistakes. It's offensive because man is a sinner and 
The gospel and Jesus are offensive because Jesus dared to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's either true or it isn't. And if it's true, then everything we believe is based on Jesus. If it's not true, then what are we doing here? But you and I believe it's true with all our hearts. We've talked about the disappearance of the innocents, abortion. We've talked about right religion in our culture, the ministry to the least of these. We've talked about modern day slavery, which is trafficking. We've talked about purity versus sexual immorality. And we've talked about celebration of marriage with the celebration of marriage from last Sunday, still in our minds. I want you to watch the screen for just a few moments, please. Your marriage is lived in these little mundane, one morning at a time moments. Marriages don't die in big moments. Marriages don't grow beautiful in big moments. If I were to watch the video of the little moments of your marriage, what would I conclude about your marriage? A good marriage is a good marriage. Because people in that marriage say no, not to one another, but no to themselves. Recognizing this weed will lead me to do things that I should not do. They will choke out the beautiful flowers that God are seeking is seeking to grow in this garden that is our marriage. How do you deal with the massive differences? between you and your spouse. Your ability to deal with the differences that you will be confronted with in your marriage is rooted in worship. Grace gives your marriage a lifetime warranty. Now, the reason that a manufacturer gives you a warranty in your car is because he knows that that automobile is not perfect. Grace means God's never disgusted the struggle. He never gets mad. He never gets exhausted. He never turns his back. He's never surprised. He's anticipated your struggle and he's given you the warranty of grace. You come to me. God didn't give you a marriage because you're able. He gave you a marriage because he's able. So don't be paralyzed by regret. Don't be thwarted by fear. God's timing is always right. And when He calls you to a task, He not only supplies what you need, He goes with you. Many of you read His books. In fact, the steering team that's helping lead us to the hilltop is reading together His uh, his book, Morning Mercies. It's a devotion, daily devotional book, and it has blessed our socks off, and we are reading it day by day. So we wanted you to see that this morning because we wanted to do more than have a sermon on marriage like we did last week. We have purchased the streaming license for this marriage conference that he is leading, Paul David Tripp is leading. It's a four-lesson seminar uh, by David Tripp, Paul David Tripp, who is pastor, counselor, and best-selling author. And this seminar will show you how to improve your marriage by implementing healthy habits and eliminating toxic habits. Habits of a healthy marriage is available to stream on demand through the end of this year, December 31st. And it's available also in Spanish and with closed captioning. We encourage you and your spouse to use this resource to help strengthen your marriage and your hope in Christ. 
and you may want to gather a group of couples to view it with you. Whatever you choose to do, it is, it is on the realm. It will be downloaded this morning during Sunday school. And so you can get it on realm and I hope that you will. You'll find it to be worth it. And uh, due to copyright laws, we can't pass this link along to our friends who go elsewhere to church. Uh, we purchased it just for us, so help us honor that. And so I hope many of you will take advantage of that. It will be on the realm of the time you get home from Sunday school today. This morning, we're going to talk about transgenderism. If you had told me 20 years ago that I would preach a sermon entitled Transgenderism, <clears throat> I first of all might have had to say, what? And secondly, I would have said, there is no way I will ever preach a sermon on that subject. But my, how times have changed in the last two decades. So I direct your attention first to these two verses from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. It is simply overwhelming today to find all the resources that are available that deal with this issue of transgenderism that affects directly only six-tenths of one percent of our population. And yet this issue has made to many has made the world to appear upside down. Most of us did not pay any attention to this issue until 2016 when the previous administration through the Department of Education forbade school districts across America from discriminating against transgender students. And almost all of us, I trust, would be opposed to discrimination against students for any reason. However, what noticeably caught our attention was the application of this decision, this ruling in the Department of Education in the use of school restrooms. And that is what attracted so much attention. The edict from the Department of Education made it clear that students must be allowed to use the restroom that they choose based on their feelings about their gender. That is, a male by sex, born a male, who believes he is female or becoming female, must be allowed to use female restrooms, female locker rooms, and female showers. Since that edict, we have moved in many different directions. Uh, Males transitioning to females must be allowed to compete on female athletic teams, which is astonishing. And certainly gives some advantage to the males who are transitioning to be females who want to compete against females in athletics. The issue has moved to corporate America, most notably Target stores. We're all familiar with the attention Target gathered when they announced that they would allow anyone to make use of their restrooms, the restroom of choice. They have now modified that, mainly by building new restrooms with individual doors and locks, and it will take them some time to get all their stores done, but that seems to be the way they're moving. The current administration overturned the ruling of the previous administration 
The Supreme Court then refused to hear a case to reinstate the ruling of the previous administration. Yet there are lots of lawsuits that are now before the courts, and I think we can rest assured we'll be hearing more about this issue, also hearing about it from the Supreme Court. Many school districts across the country, even though the edict has been rescinded by this administration, have made their own decisions to allow students to use whichever bathroom that they choose to use, and also schools are making modifications to try to accommodate this in whatever way they can. More decisions are to follow. We mentioned a few weeks ago about North Carolina, the legislature passing a bill which would forbid men from using women's bathrooms and vice versa, and many um, uh, many folks around the country got mad at that, including the National Basketball Association, which pulled the All-Star game from Charlotte. Now, that rule, that law was rescinded or modified, and so the NBA backtracked and Charlotte held the All-Star game this year. So I just asked this question, what in the world is happening here? Has our nation gone mad? Have we absolutely gone mad? Men in women's restrooms? Women in men's restrooms? All of us have heard of the LB, uh, LGBTQ movement, a movement which is a well-funded effort to move away from the Judeo-Christian ethic and from Scripture. The T in LGBTQ is transgender, the issue that we're dealing with today. And it is simply a frontal assault on God's sovereignty, love, grace, mercy, and authority. Most of the men in this room would be outraged if a man entered the ladies' restroom while your wife, daughter, or granddaughter were there. Should we feel that way? Well, many around the country would say, no, the problem is with you for your anger, not the man going in the ladies' restroom or lady into the man's restroom. With rape and sexual assault so prevalent today, I am surprised at the absolute silence, and I mean absolute silence, of feminists on this issue. Where is the outrage over men entering women's restrooms? And if confronted, responding, I'm really a woman, or I'm transitioning to be a female. It is incredible. Now... I remind you of the words of Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Now, Let's get our arms around a few things. First of all, what are some definitions we need to know? Uh, There are overwhelming number of terms and definitions, but I want to limit it to just a few. And the first are two that we would have never thought needed definition, but those are the words sex and gender. To most of us, that means the same thing. My sex is a male, my gender is a male, or my sex is a female, my gender is is a female. But there is a modern definition. Sex is the role assigned to you at birth. 
Now, most babies born today, the parents already know before the baby's born whether it's a boy or girl, but sometimes not. Most of the time they do. But when the doctor holds that baby after the baby's come out of the mother's womb and he holds that baby up and he says, congratulations, Mrs. Smith, you have a baby boy or congratulations, Mrs. Jones, you have a baby girl. And he says that because he's looking at the anatomy and he knows this is a girl or this is a boy. But there are modern definitions. The modern definition for gender is now this, how you feel or what you believe. Most of us would say they're the same thing. If my sex is male, then my gender is male. But the modern definition is if you feel like a male, then your gender is a male, whether you really are a male or not. Remember, God is not mocked. Gender is how you identify yourself. Sex is based on your physical characteristics at birth. Another term that you'll hear is cisgender, C-I-S-G-N-D-E-R, cisgender. The word cis means on the side of. So you, a person who is cisgender is on the side of your gender identification at birth. So I am cisgender because I'm a man sexually and I feel like a man. My gender and my sex is a man. So I'm cisgender. Transgender, rather, is different. Trans means against or on the other side. And so if I were to say my sex at birth was female, but now I identify as a male, I'm transgender. Agender is another word. A followed by the word gender. And that's that's the person who says, I don't feel like I'm either. I'm neither male nor female. Now, another term is gender fluidity which means I move back and forth. This week I may be male, next week I may be female. Now, when I, when I saw some of this, I, th- I thought, am I supposed to laugh? And I concluded, no, I'm, I'm not supposed to laugh because this is real. This is happening. Bi-gender, B-I-gender, bi-gender means I'm both. So I'm an individual who feels like I'm both a man and a woman. I, I don't know how that works, but some claim they're bi-gender. Then gender dysphoria is a word you'll hear a lot in the days to come. It simply means a, a person who is discontent with his gender and believe that his gender that was imposed on him at birth. And so he is discontent and wants to change to another sex or gender. And it's real. This is real. Um, and how do I know that this Gender dysphoria is real because many of those who encounter gender dysphoria go to great lengths to change their sex, which involves incredible medical surgical procedures and and medicines and all kinds of things that happen to the human body to change a person from a male to a female or a female to a male. But why? Why? No one can know apart, apart from what the Bible tells us about our creation and man's basic sin nature. One last term you hear is transvestite. That simply means a person who dresses as the opposite sex. And that is a sin according to the scripture. I'll read the verse later. 
Now, the second thing I want us to get our arms around, if, if we can get our arms around this, is why do we need to think about this? Why do we need to think about it? Uh, this week, very timely, this week, Mattel, and I, there's a picture, I think. Is there a picture? Did I give a picture of, of a doll? Yeah, there we go. Mattel announced, Mattel, the maker of Barbie, has announced that they are producing now and hopes that people will swoop them up for Christmas, a gender-neutral doll. That's not a transgender doll. They didn't say that. It just said a gender-neutral doll. So if you can see, you've got dolls there who are male on one side and female on the other. Okay, that's enough of that. Thank you. Because it is real, it is a growing issue, even though the numbers currently are very small, but the thing that should concern us is the laws that could be changed because of this in our country. And so the issue is going to continue to grow. It's already made its way to the Supreme Court. I think it's, it's an issue, and we can just count on it becoming a greater issue in the days ahead. Schools face it. All over America, schools are facing this issue. And, and they're faced with the issue of the pressure that is applied on them to believe that gender is what you say it is. If you look like a man, but you say, no, I'm a woman, then, oh, okay, you're a woman. That's the pressure that faces our society, particularly uh, particularly our schools. And so the schools have to act on that. They have to accommodate that. They, If a student says, I've been known as Stephen, but now call me Stephanie, many school districts have already decided, okay, if you want to be Stephanie, we'll call you Stephanie. Other school districts say, you give us a court order where you've legally changed your name, then we'll call you Stephanie, but until then, you're still Stephen. So th- this is an issue that, you know, we send our kids to school to get an education, not to have to deal with, with all of this. And yet these are the huge issues that school districts are facing all over the country. So if if the Sunday when we have all our educators down here, you have been half-hearted in your prayer for them, I want to tell you now, get get fully engaged. Get fully engaged. Schools face it, workplaces face it, and there's likely a time coming when most public restrooms will become single stalls with a locking door. It, it, it can be used by male or female, whoever you are, you go in, you lock the door, and you're there by, and there's places that already do that, and they did it before transgenderism, that's just the way they built their buildings, but for all of America to accommodate that in the future, you can understand it's going to be at an enormous cost, which will be passed on either to the taxpayers or to consumers. If you ever been to a football game in a large stadium and at halftime you needed to go to the restroom, no doubt that's happened. Uh, my family and I were at a University of Texas game a few weeks ago. It's hot as blue blazes. And of course at halftime we get up to go to the bathroom and, and, and what is, it, it happens everywhere. Here's the women's restroom with a line about a half a mile long. And then there's the men's restroom and it's moving. It's moving. I mean, that's just, you know, you've seen it. You know what it is. And, and when I got into the restroom, I think I had one of my grandkids with me. There are about 70 or 80 men in there taking care of what they need to do. Now, now, can you imagine? Here, I got one of my grandsons. What if a woman had walked into that restroom? This very public, you know, guys, you know what it's like. Very public, very open. What, what in the world have we, have we absolutely gone mad 
Is there a day coming when you may be at a college football game or a pro football game somewhere and you may be in the men's restroom, men, and all of a sudden a lady walks in and you're thinking, what are you doing here? And she says, shut up, I'm a man. I'm not really trying to be funny. Um, I'm really trying to be factual. That's what we're facing. So what's next? Choose our race. I've decided I'm, I'm white, but I want to be black. So I'm just going to say I'm black or I'm black and I want to be white. So I'm white. Would that be next? Um, Rachel Dolezal was the president of the NAACP in Spokane, Washington, and, and apparently doing a tremendous job. But her parents revealed that she's white when she was born white. So her response to that was, I'm black on the inside. I'm black. Okay, I appreciate the work she's doing, but why not just say who you are from the beginning? But that's, are, are we coming to that? Or maybe with age, I'm 45, but I feel 65, so I want Social Security now. <clears throat> I mean, really, you do understand once you open the door on something like this, an avalanche can follow. Now, third thing is what is the current situation my heart goes out to those who struggle. I, you know, I think about, I've never wanted to be a woman. I don't know what it's like to, to have that war in your heart. My heart goes out to somebody like that. And, and, and it's, I know in their lives, it's, it's a genuine struggle because many of them take it to the extreme and actually do surgery and medicine and all that to change their sex. Why? Is it the way they were raised? Do I have anything to do with it or? What what in the world causes that to happen? And and I can't answer that except to point to Scripture and say it is part of the sinful nature of man. Now, we're, I'm not dealing this morning with a very small number who genuine ha- genuinely have issues from birth that are physical. Like there are babies who are born with both male and female organs of reproduction. Very, very, very small number, but it does happen. My heart goes out, but there is a way that that can be taken care of. That's not what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with the far more prevalent issue. Educators see this. Some of them have told me children who are longing for attention because they don't get any at home. And they've noticed a friend who says, I think I'm really a woman or I think I'm really a man. And they see the attention that's put upon that child. And so that the other child says, Is that what it takes to get some attention? Then I'm going to say, I want to change who I am. And it just snowballs. It snowballs from there. An expression of confusion. And then all of a sudden, all kinds of people who are supposed to know everything surround them and uh, give them attention and affirm them in the direction they say they want to go. There are parents who are pressing for a change of sex for their little kids as young as kindergarten. And then medically, the sex change procedure is absolutely astounding. Well, what does the Bible say? Go back to Genesis 1. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And he told them to be fruitful and multiply. 
Two men can't be fruitful and multiply. Two women can't be fruitful and multiply. But a man and a woman can be fruitful and multiply. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I may have, yeah, I thought I had that one put on the screen. Romans chapter 1. Uh, Verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty of their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do not do what ought to not to be done. That is, I hope you were, I hope you were watching that scripture. That is as clear as clear can be and tells us why we are where we are in, in our nation. Now, a minute ago I said being a transvestite is a sin. <clears throat> Let me take you back to my proof for that, other than you know that's true anyway. But but Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5, A woman must not wear men's clothing, nor a man wear women's clothing, for the Lord your God detests anyone who does this. Now, nowhere in in Scripture is the possibility of being transgender addressed. If it was, if it is, it must be included in the verses that I've just read without being specifically named, that deal with male and female purity and impurity, immorality. If as a male, I decide I should be a female, what have I said to God who created me? You made a mistake. I don't like the way you made me, God. You made an error. Remember, God is not mocked. Biology and scripture are clear. There are only two genders, two sexes. And regardless of what people feel, the reality is that they are either female or male. There's no question that we all struggle with sin. So lean in close with this because this applies to me and to every one of you. We all struggle with sin. There's no denying it. There's no denying the fact that there are some, for whatever reason, struggle with gender dysphoria as a temptation. But in the face of sin, we stand graciously, kindly, and firmly 
on the word of God. So I want to conclude today. Believe me, I could have said a lot more this morning. I, I think you would agree with me. You've said enough. You've said enough. We get the picture. What do we do? Remember, we have a great God. We have a great God who loves us, who has given his son Jesus to die for us. And he is the one who changes us from the inside out and makes us new men and women in Christ Jesus. But not by changing our sex, but by changing our hearts. Now, here's what I think we should do. We should pray for families, the children of our nation, and our leaders. Whether you like the leaders or not, we are to pray for the families, the children of our nation, and our leaders. Number two, decide in advance. Make a decision. I will follow the Bible wherever it leads until I die or Jesus comes again. You see, the appeal to transgenderism to to us is to turn away from the scripture and to accommodate folks who say, here's how I feel. We are to stand not upon our feelings or someone else's feelings, but upon the word of God. Number three, acknowledge that gender dysphoria is an issue and is part of man's disordered desires inside of him as a result of the fall of man. And these desires must be subdued by the victim. They must be. We must get a grip on the depth and pervasiveness of sin and its impact physically, psychologically, and spiritually. 90% men, 90% of the violent crime in America is committed by men. Why? Well, it may be that we have 10 times the testosterone in our bodies that women have. So does that excuse us? Absolutely not. So the feelings that you may have must be made to submit to Scripture. While there are people who say, why does it bother you the feelings that others have? All I'm doing is standing on the word of God, not on feelings. Now, if, if I commit a violent crime and I'm at the courthouse and I stand before the judge and I say, you know, judge, I, yeah, I did this violent crime, but you know, I've got lots of testosterone in my body and I really just think you ought to, you ought to not make me guilty. You ought to let me go. What would the judge say? No. Of course he would say no. Feelings must be brought under the authority of Scripture. We live in an age in which feelings reign and fact is near the bottom. We've got to reverse that. Number three, trust God's promises. God's presence and promise are more real than anyone's sin, struggle, or dysphoria. The normal Christian experience is that there are some who have to fight to subdue the flesh more than others. And so it must be done. Number four, lean on the Holy Spirit. Lean on the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, put to death the misdeeds of the body, 
you will live. Number five, present your body to God daily. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Romans six thirteen. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. May I remind you that during this series, we have had an email address, recovery at fbcbelton.org, that if you are struggling or someone you know is struggling, you have questions, you want some help, please email us at recovery at fbcbelton.org, and a staff member will see that and we'll respond. Number six, be wise. Talk with your children in an age-appropriate manner on these issues believe me they are hearing it at school and what they're hearing at school may not line up with what you want them to hear understand or believe be wise number seven look to eternity life is hard it's broken but our affliction is temporary Number eight, be kind to those who struggle. Pray for them. Encourage them. Encourage them toward Christ. Encourage them to, to stand not on their feelings, but on the fact of the word of God. Number nine, stand with the vast majority who do not want people who are of the opposite sex to share bathrooms, locker rooms, or showers with them and their children. And then number ten, have a spiritual backbone. First sermon, we said the call for the church is to have a spiritual backbone. Have a spiritual backbone. Be kind, be gracious, but firm and biblical. I regret so much that we are at a place where an issue like this needs to be dealt with from the pulpit. But I hope we've listened well and that we will act accordingly with what God tells us to do father i pray for our nation i pray for our children i pray for our educators i pray for our leaders father for wisdom and strength and a dependence upon you the the holy spirit the word of god and i pray that we who are believers will stand firmly upon the scripture kindly graciously lovingly never in anger, yet firmly upon the word of God. Bring revival to our church and to our nation. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We've dealt with a very difficult issue this morning. We close this service like we close every service. That's with an invitation for someone to give his or her heart to Jesus. Jesus died on the cross that your sin might be forgiven, that you might have eternal life. And through the Holy Spirit this morning, you feel this tugging, this sense of this is, this is the time, this is the day, this is the moment that I need to give my life to Jesus. And so feeling that tug on your heart, I invite you to meet me down here at the front and 
place your hand in mine and say very simply, Pastor, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you, open God's word and share with you. Then for the rest of us who already know Jesus, what you've heard this morning may disturb you. But I ask you very simply, ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to do. And then act in obedience to what he says. Let's stand as Gary leads us. What is First Baptist Belton all about? How do I become a part of this community? Come learn more at our new members class offered the first Sunday of each month in the gym at 945. This is a great way to connect with others and to learn more about our church.